I was living in a devil town. Didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down. Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Devil Podcast. Town. I'm Ralph Amson. I am joined, as always, by Brett Quintine and Chili. Uh, we're here at four and one uh, after a beating that was so bad it feels like one and four. It does. It really does. It's um, it's hard to think that. This loss had so much magnitude and momentum. I think it's a combination of a lot was expected. The quarterback gets hurt. Um, just a bad mix overall. Now And again, once you lose that one game, now a lot of non-positive things become magnified. I think they'll get back on the right track. Maybe not this week, but it is just one loss. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. I. I, didn't, I honestly didn't get to watch uh, much of the game as I was scouting um, this week's opponent, um, UCLA. But um, you know, I, I, I texted both of you guys, and I was kind of getting you know feedback of what was going on uh, with Brett. I was getting the um, man. He's injured. He's on crutches. Um, it looks bad. <laughs> From Ralph, I got the. You know, it's a good old-fashioned ass whooping. You know, and that and that's that's what it was. We got to keep it one hundred. You know, for the podcast, we got to keep it one hundred for all our, all our devil junkies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I want to say, I want to look at the bright side and say, you know what, it's okay. But it's tough. It is a tough pill to swallow. That we were four zero, and this was a very very beatable yes. USC team that was prime for the picking. Mm-hmm. They were ready to take this L. Like yes. all them people that were trying to get those Yeezys, they were ready to take this L. And people had the coach packing already, <laughs> right? They were, they were they were cracking the jokes. Is he going to get fired on the tarmac? Is he going to mm-hmm. make it to his office? Like things like that. Um, it, it, it's hard. This is this is a tough one to swallow, and that's a good thing. As a Sun Devils fan, that is a good thing when losses like this became become hard to like deal with because. In the past, people would have just chalked it up. Oh, SC's just good. Oh, we can't win in California. Stuff like that. We're not. We're not in those days anymore. And this isn't a typical SC team. This is still a sub five hundred Trojan ball club that they lost to. So, yeah, they've got to. Uh, they've got their work cut out for them. I think. By my count, and my count is subjective. This is the eighth time that ASU has taken an ass kicking like this in the Todd Graham era. Uh, mm-hmm. Oregon and USC that first year. Um, but both of those were, were pretty rough. Uh, Stanford and Texas Tech in 2013, those came at the end of the Bowl year. game. Okay. Stanford was a Pac-12 12 championship. Yeah. that was like in Sun Devil Stadium. Right, 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 right. At Frank Cushfield. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, in 2014, it was UCLA came into Sun Devil Stadium and Ishmael Adams and Brett Hundley just went off. It was homecoming for Brett. I mean, that I, that was tough. That was eye-opening. And then last and year, then last <laughs> year the USC first half, obviously, yeah, when they just kicked the door in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for me, I include Texas A&M. There's a little bit of a debate on the board about this, but I thought the Texas A&M game was just, you know, high school senior drowning the yep. freshman's head in the toilet. I agree. Uh, I because agree. Uh, I think ASU's first 46 mm-hmm. plays from scrimmage, they had like 100 yards. Like when the Mighty Ducks played the varsity team yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Just because Texas A&M didn't know what to do with all their success doesn't mean the ASU was in that, that That's true. No, that's a good point. And I mean, you, you can point out ASU's down three with the ball like nearing the fourth quarter. But it wasn't, to it wasn't, it wasn't that close. Yeah. It wasn't anywhere near that close. It's so... Cool. 
So I mean, that, I I will give you that that one is debatable. But ASU had one good drive. Any mistake that Texas A&M made was an unforced error. Any mistake that ASU made, oh, it was forced. Uh-huh. It was just That's true. They 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 weren't, in my opinion, manhandled that game. You can put it between seven and eight, but one to two times per year in the Todd Graham era, this seems to happen. You're hoping to build to a point where it doesn't happen anymore uh-huh. in this fashion because it's, like you guys said, it's just really, really hard to swallow. Nobody likes this. Um, but think about it, though. In the jerk cutter era, like it was constant that we were going to go to California and lose. During the Dennis Erickson era, same thing. Like, you know, we're going to lose these games. At least during the Todd Graham era. Now, last year was kind of an aberration um, after two 10-win seasons. Now it just kind of like there's disappointment, which is which I feel like if there's disappointment after a loss, like real there's emotional disappointment, so yeah. that's okay. Yeah, and we we talk about this all the time because there's a high school here locally, and we we do cover a lot of high school football for our own purposes, for recruiting purposes, and there's a there's a high school called Red Mountain. And Red Mountain takes on some of the best teams in the state, and at times they're taking on some of the best teams in the country. And they always lose. They never win. And they lose those games by an average of, like, one to two points. And and it it becomes this thing of, like, would you rather have a no good, horrible, very bad day once? Like Alexander. Yeah. Or would you rather Mm -hmm. stub your toe first thing in the morning every day when you wake up and so it, it's it and i think the somebody would be like um see neither right yeah so you know you you do want to get to a point where that's not necessarily the issue but some of those dirt cutter losses in california punting against usc you know down seven or whatever else they had going some of those I still think about to this day these blowout losses. That loss to Oregon uh, a few years ago was incredibly disappointing. The way that the, the way that ASU came out, but you you started digesting that loss in the middle of the second quarter. It's not like you were shocked in the fourth. It's not the we let True. him off the hook. Denny Green, you know, <laughs> Bears yeah, Cardinals first year the stadium oh, open thing, you know. One, uh, oh, just a week after the same thing happened against the Rams. You know, that it's not one of those that will be imprinted on you forever. It's just, it sucks. And I think, I think that they're probably better off, if they're going to lose, losing in a way where you kind of have to go and look at everything. Yep. But at the same time, Louisville loses to Clemson in a 3-5 matchup. And after the game, and that truly was at the same yeah. time. So yes. everybody's talking about how much heart Louisville has. No one has anything bad to say about Louisville. Right. Meanwhile, ASU is just four zero on paper, and they've lost all credibility. So it really depends on your perspective. Uh-huh. Either way, a loss is awful. Uh, so let's let's just talk about that. If your expectations were ASU is going to be anything less than four and one right now. Um, you should be technically okay with where they're at. Uh, I thought they'd start 4-0, and I thought that they would lose to, mm-hmm. to – I thought they would split from here on out. I've been saying it on the podcast every single week, and I'm going to keep saying it because the one thing that I'm right about so far. Mm-hmm. I'm not right a lot. So 4-1, um, and one is, are you guys satisfied with that? I am. I think that 4-1 and one is a nice start. I had mentioned that the big game for me was the Texas Tech game, which they did win – I think that that caliber of opponent and their style of offense 
is going to be kind of consistent with what they're going to see in the Pac-12. No, not all 60-point games and not all 500-plus yards from a quarterback, but they needed to be in those types of games, those up-tempo offensive games. And while they did get smashed by USC, I do think that they will rebound. And again, maybe not even necessarily this week, but I think overall they'll have a winning Pac-12 record and then I think they'll get to a respectable bowl game. This is a team that um, you, you predicted them to be right where they're at now, Ralph. Um, Brett, I believe, predicted them to be um, around 3-1, 3-1, 4-0 going saying, into this game, yeah. just, just like I did. So you got, you got to be cool with, where, with mm -hmm. exactly where they're at. It's, so, it is, it's unfortunate that they lost in the manner that they did, but... I don't think that there's any reason to jump off the bandwagon or anything. I don't. This isn't Titanic. Not um, at all. It, it was. It was a tough loss to stomach, but you know, a, a lot of people had them losing to Texas Tech. If they lost to mm -hmm. Texas Tech, we're looking at a team that's three and two, and you're wondering like, where are they going to get these three, these three right. more wins to become bowl eligible? All, all they got to do is get two more, and we and we kind of know with, within ourselves that they're going to probably squeeze out three or four more wins. Yes. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Because that was my big thing. Had they lost to Texas Tech, then, yeah, like you're saying, they would have only had three wins right now, and the two losses would have been, wow, they got outscored by Texas Tech. They couldn't handle USC, what they brought to the table. How are they going to manage the rest of their schedule? And the games that we think that they'll win would be the ones that would fall short on. So I think 4-1 and one right now is good, and they, they've... They played well, all factors considered. I'm definitely okay with it if you consider that the last time they transitioned to an almost brand new offensive line uh, was 2008, where they wasted Rudy Carpenter's senior year. Mm -hmm. I mean, he got beat up so bad, only threw 16 touchdown passes. Dimitri Nance had a terrible year. Keegan Herring had a terrible year. It was just awful. And then they went into the next year, transitioned to a group of unproven quarterbacks and had their worst season that I can remember. So they had a transition year quarterback to a, a group of unproven guys, and they had the transition to the offensive line in back-to-back -back years, two awful years. They're going through both of those things right now, and they're 4-1. Mm -hmm. and one. Right. So when you, I think when you, you have just a tiny bit of historical perspective to block all of the disappointment from filling your mind when you get beat that badly, mm -hmm. you're reminded, like, the last time we went through this, it lasted two awful, awful years. And they're 4-1 and one right now going through those two things right now. This isn't the worst situation that we could be in. Hey, look, we got slapped in the face by USC pretty, pretty badly. Mm -hmm. it, it was ugly. But keep in mind, we still got three top 25 teams on schedule. One of those is like top five in Washington. Um, Utah's coming up soon. Uh, Colorado's coming up even sooner. So we use this UCLA game as a tune-up. Um, I, I, I saw them live. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that they're as great as advertised. I know some people are really high on them because of uh, Josh Rosen, but um, I, I, don't, I, I think they are very, very, very beatable. I mean, because if they're three and two doesn't really impress me a whole lot. I mean, they got beat by A&M, and so overall, I'm not... Um, I think UCLA potentially can pose problems, but they're not a dominant force by any stretch, and I, I think if the Sun Devils get their head on straight and say, hey, you know what? We got beat. It's time to move on and play a very 
simple game, I think they win. I think we can beat them the way we beat Cal. I, so I got, I got a couple of questions. So the lack of a blitz hasn't necessarily produced better results. So do you go all out and go after Rosen from the get-go? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that it hasn't produced better results. But I don't know that I would commit to it now. Not with not, I mean, like I said, they're very beatable, but Rosen is still Rosen. He's a very, yes. very good college quarterback. Very, very smart. Um, I watched him do some things. He'll find the open guy. If you blitz and you miss, you well, might I was going to say, yeah, you don't want to expose on the, board. the secondary that you have right now to Josh Rosen. Because I think he will. I mean, but aren't they? Because it, it will end up like a Cal game. Aren't they giving that up anyway? Because they're, they're blitzing kind a little of, bit in the first true. half in these that's games. Blitzing a little bit in the first half, then kind of backing off it in the second half and having success. Uh, but at the same time, you've put that on film a few weeks in a row. Do you try something different and just, I mean, just send people all game long? Because last year, it kind of worked. Rosen still was able to move around, find some guys. Uh, I think he had one beautiful touchdown pass where he evaded the rush. Um, but and, and, and he's got a year more experience and everything like that. But at the same time, if I mean, if you're, you're probably going to be giving up these big plays anyway. That's true. Ralph, you're, I feel like you're implying that uh, teams have figured out Arizona State, whereas like earlier in the uh, last few podcasts, I've been saying, you know, it's okay, we're holding some things back, and you know, we're not putting, we're not exposing everything that we have in our arsenal. Um, I'm cool with the way that we're playing. It seems like you're implying that teams are figuring us out now, and this could be a trend that we see. Well, it's just that, you know, you 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 bring the blitz early on. You back off of it, you see them start to change some of their decision-making, then you bring the blitz again. And that kind of becomes uh, a pattern. And what's been happening early in some of these games is uh, you're getting hit with screen passes for long gains. Um, You're not getting enough of a rush with your front four when you do back off, so crossing routes are are working. It's just when, when you have a secondary that's giving up this much, if you're not able to pressure with your front four, you really got to figure out what to do with everybody. And That's true. I, I'm looking for a solution that people get paid a lot more money <laughs> yeah, than me yeah. to, to figure out because it's just great quarterback after great quarterback after great quarterback. And I think we were really witnessing in Sam Darnold what is the next great USC right. quarterback. Yeah, it's he, just, he's he's going to be all right. He's good, yeah. You yeah. get absolutely no break, and then you're facing who's probably going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft in, in 2018. Yeah, right. That's true. So I don't really know what to do. He played well against ASU last year, but they did force some mistakes by getting to him. He's not as mobile as Mahomes. Nope. You're right. Um, but at the same time, he can move probably a little bit better than Davis Webb. Agreed. So yeah. – I, it's just you know what are you gonna do? A lot of a lot of the time they're getting to the quarterback, but they're trying to tackle up high. And I mean it was embarrassing some of the stuff that Sam Darnold was able to get away yes, with. Yes, and Max Brown. When Max Brown got in the game, they weren't able to bring him down when they would get to him. So um, they got to figure out something to do. Tashawn Smallwood's got to play better. He's got to yeah, get yes. more of a push. Right now he's looking his size, and he's kind of the undersized guy on the defensive line. You can't depend on Crump, who's a little bit smaller. To, to be getting in every time. Like, they have to get some type of a, of a pass rush if they want to be UCLA. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is, again, not really a commitment to the running game early on. Um, 
nine handoffs in the first half two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And in the first 25 plays of, of this game, you have five. And people start to say, well, those five weren't effective, so you got to do something else. But USC's first four carries went for negative nine yards total. And they, they stuck with they the running game, and Justin yeah. Davis busted a few long ones. And so you wonder, with running backs that talented, is it just a matter of being scared the offensive line won't be able to hold up? Are guys banged up? What's going on? Why aren't they running the ball early on? I feel that there's more of a uh, an injury factor. I think you used the right term, banged up. Um, just the uh, the holes aren't always there, but I think you have to create the holes. I think you really, in a game like this, you do have to really just pound away. And not that it has to be the three plays in a cloud of dust, but you have to try to set up that running game and use the passing because Lord knows the Sun Devil receiving core is solid. You have to kind of match that with your running backs. They've got two great guys. Certainly even a third. I like Nick Ralston, but I don't think see, he's going to be a factor. Not, not right now. I mean, clearly Balaj and Demario Richard are the guys. They have to be used more. They have to. I mean, we've talked about the balance of let's give these guys 15 carries each, and we haven't really seen that happen. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't agree with Ralph all the time. But this season, when I agree with Ralph, it is going to be concerning ASU's running attack. Um, Ralph, I've sat with him at a couple games already, and he has brought up, when are we going to commit to the run? When are we mm-hmm. going to commit to the run? When are we going to commit to the run? This guy scores eight touchdowns in a game. When are we going to commit to the run? And I got to, I, I really got to agree. Like, man, like, um, and if there's ever a time to kind of switch it up and do that, now is that time. Um, commit to the run early. Keep Rosen off the field, mm-hmm. and now, yeah, that's go, a big part of it. Go, also, go to work. Um, like I said, th- this UCLA team—they um, are very, very beatable. Um, they are not very tough. I, I don't think they are very tough. So, I think they can be pushed around. I think they can be punched in the face, and I think they will fall down. I wrote on the Devil's Digest message boards and DevilsDigest.com. Subscribe, come talk with us. I wrote, I wrote in there that it feels like if that's your best feature then you're Mike Tyson going in the ring without a, re- a right cross or Steph Curry always passing up the open three. Like, if that's what you do best, you have to Exploit. You have mm-hmm. to do it. And it's not – maybe it isn't what they do best, but they definitely have some talent there, and it's, it's going to be hard to develop your run-blocking elements if they don't get the practice. I, I just feel yeah, like they have to get some live in-game reps. Yeah. Do, do you think possibly that um, – Maybe they're trying to preserve this running game for something while bringing Manny up to speed. You got to do it now. I don't know. It, I think it hurts Manny, and I think it physically hurt Manny because he's he's going to be out this week. I think it physically hurt Manny, and it hurts Manny's production overall. The same way that it hurt Burko to know that he's never going to pull the ball back in, mm-hmm. and it hurt the running game, and that they're going to be able to focus on the run. It's hurting the running backs that you know that Manny's probably going to be the one the key, to take off the ball most right. of the time. Um, and this is the Pac-12 schedule yeah. already. It's one thing the first couple of games are, and hey, it's what's being saved. Right. Unless there's something that we're not 
And what, seeing what does Manny have to do if you're down three touchdowns? Mm-hmm. You you don't really even and you're not committing to even handing the ball off. So the run pass options kind of and you just saw him get targeted over and over and over again. And now he's hurt. And ASU's lucky it's not for long, uh, but he's hurt. And you had Brady White come in, and the receivers were just so confused by Brady White's ball. It is not shot out of a gun like mm-hmm. Manny Wilkins's mm-hmm. is. It is. Um, like it comes out of like a softball pitching machine. It's got some arc on it. It's got some touch on it. It's accurate. It was hitting receivers right in the hand, and they had no idea. It was like they were expecting the ball to catch itself. Because right, when, okay. when you have a quarterback who throws it as hard as he can, that thing will stick to your uh-huh, hands. When you have a quarterback who puts it that touch out there, like you have to go get it with your uh-huh. hands. Like the Larry Fitzgerald, Kurt Warner days, you have to go get it. Rudy Carpenter was a quarterback with touch. Guys like Kyle Williams, Mike Brown, they would have to go get it. Mike Willie, like they would have to go get the ball. And and that's not that did not happen in the second half. So hopefully they're able to make those adjustments. But here we are in the in the in the Brady White era by accident. Yep. Uh, what do what do you guys think? What do you think he's going to bring to the table? I like him. I was a fan of his. Obviously, that's who I thought was going to take the first snap against NAU. This is a tough situation. I mean, we know what he can do, but you don't want to just bring the guy along. I mean, obviously, he's thrown into the fire. There's no doubt about that. I really think that this is the time where the running game has to kind of start off. This way, he's not a gunslinger in that first quarter, second quarter. It's like... Ease him into the game. This where there's not that immediate. Wow, all right, Wilkins is down. I gotta, I gotta perform. Yeah, I think he's more than capable. But this is, I think, just even with the week of preparation, I think this is going to be a tough week for him. More emphasis on the running game, I think, is needed. Um, this kind of scares me the most about this game coming up, um, having a young quarterback. But. I'm kind of encouraged by the way ASU's already responded by having one young quarterback start this season. So, you know, if you're going to have one, you might as well have two. Um, break him in this season also, so that way, you know, maybe next year or the year after, you don't have to worry about breaking him in then. Um, it'll be good for him to get some experience against a very beatable UCLA team. Um, you know... I just think they need to put him in a position to succeed in this game on Saturday. Right, of course. Um, I, I think... I don't know, it's tough for me because, you know, he was third on my list of, you know, quarterbacks that I was hoping to see play this year. Um, but, man, I, I, hope he, I hope he can, you know, pull through and, you know, I hope the receivers get used to what he's throwing because, you know, they got to deal with it for at least this week. And that's – so a lot of these guys have had just a different quarterback um, year in, year out. You went from Kelly to Burko mm-hmm. to Manny – to, you know, so sure. If you've been on the team a while, you've you've had oh, different experiences. Um, a guy like Nikhil Harry, who had like four quarterbacks in four years in high school, yeah, uh, you know, is like wow. on a sixth quarterback in five years. He, he, hopefully, he'll be able to adjust. But I don't think a lot of them have experienced a guy who throws like this. I mean, if you if you saw some of those drops, your receivers just looking at their hands like, what is going on? <laughs> And, and you know he's going to put a touch on on some balls. The I think the biggest thing for Brady White is that he's just emotionless. 
out on the field. There's not going to be a lot that gets to him. Yep. He is not, you know, so many people kind of compare him to Burko or Osweiler um, just because of the kind of the pro style sure. part of his game uh, or even Rudy. All of those guys, Rudy, Osweiler, Burko, they would, I mean, they're the type of guys that, you know, like stepbrothers, like we're here to end <laughs> stuff up. Like uh, they, they get so fired up about stuff. Brady White throw a touchdown pass, shrug his shoulders, walk over the sideline. It's just a, he could get sacked, shrug his shoulders, walk oh, over the sideline. He's I don't know if he's unflappable because we haven't seen him in every single situation, but this is definitely a different cat, which is kind of actually more like Manny Wilkins. So, I mean, and he's been on campus going on two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came in for spring. So it's not year. like the players don't know who he yeah. is or haven't had a lot of experience. Um, but it's he's just different than what they've than what they've had. He doesn't throw the missile like Burko. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he doesn't try to kill you with the ball like Manny Wilkins. He isn't that mobile sharpshooter like Taylor Kelly. This is a kid who like just lets it Rich all over yeah. the field. Uh, and you kinda you gotta go get it. It's like what what's that um what's that game they used to play where everybody would get in one uh, area, you throw the ball up, um and whoever comes uh, three down. Three flies up or yeah, three flies flies off up. the wall is, or something like that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So it, this is this is three flies up. He's gonna you have to go and get the ball. He's gonna put it up there, you gotta go get it. So uh the other thing about this matchup that's really interesting is it's gonna be the first time in over nine years that the rival's number one pro-style passer goes head-to-head with the rival's number two pro-style passer. Last time, it was Ryan Mallett and Michigan shutting out Jimmy Clausen in Notre Dame. So let's see if the number two... Yes, uh, that's the one overtake. thing you'd mentioned on social media. Indeed, I want the number two guy to, uh, to prevail, just like he did in 07. And last question, I don't know if anybody's going to address this, and maybe they did on Speak of the Devils, haven't had a chance to listen yet. But I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. If you get a chance, listen to our friends over at Speak of the Devils. Um, Clay Helton, who is a nice guy who I have met and interviewed, <laughs> said some dumb shit coming off the field at halftime. Oh. Knocked out the quarterback. You know, he, he said, you know, th- their whole thing is they haven't gotten pressure on the quarterback all year. They're finally getting pressure on the quarterback, and he mentions as he's coming off the field, we're happy we got pressure, we were able to knock their quarterback out, and hope to keep doing it. It seemed like something he just kind of threw in there. And after going back and forth with UCLA or with USC media all week on Twitter, like I get that he's a nice guy and I get that in the locker room you talk about taking their quarterback out. I get that. The Gunther Cunningham <laughs> element of football, I understand that. But at the same time, like to me, you have to have a bag of sand in your head to say something like that on live television when the dude's over on the other sideline on crutches crying his eyes out. So regardless of what his intent was, mm-hmm. it's just not something that you bring up. Because at absolute best, you have to apologize for just being Saying fluent. And, right. and, at, and at worst, you come off. I mean, it hurts you in recruiting. It, it just mm-hmm. hurts. What did you guys think of that? It was in poor taste. I think it was kind of the, um, I don't want to say spur of the moment. But yeah, you just have to have, especially as a head coach, I like to say coach speak. There's certain things that you say when you're in certain situations, and that definitely is not it. You can't talk about taking a guy out, being happy with it, 
I don't think it was meant necessarily in that way. I think he was just very happy that they made some good defensive plays. But at the same time, yeah, you that's not any that's straight up bulletin board material. It's obviously social media material. It, that's it's not cool. I mean, I think we live in a day and age where you know everything is just magnified. Um, I think it's unfortunate. I, is is it? Could he have said? Could he have said it differently? Absolutely. But I mean, if he would have said this like 15 years ago, it would have gone almost unnoticed because. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been able to be replayed or discussed on Twitter or things like that. Um, you know, it, every, everybody's always looking for something to talk about. Um, I, yeah, it, it was in poor taste, but, you know, I just, he's, he's talking with some emotion, you know, like his team is kind of struggling. He's on the hot seat. Um, you know, a lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot goes into it. I mean, are we, are we crying for... Are we crying for Sarkeesian or any of these coaches who get like fired after like they lose a big game or something like that? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Oh man, we got that coach fired. Like you know, that coach lost their job after we blew them out. Like, I mean, I, I, I think it goes both ways. We just don't see it the other way. That's true. Oh, good point. And we and we we did we do we you know everybody jokes about like Lane Kiffin losing his job mm -hmm. and like that, but that's a like yeah. highly paid employee of the school and then you get sure. into the whole student athlete thing they basically the way i look at it is saying something like that is akin to like netflix like the ceo of netflix coming out and being like i am very happy that our sales have been so high everybody at blockbuster lost their jobs right. i hope we keep having good sales like it's just not even necessary to mention like we get it that was a result of what you were doing sure. uh, but like why even mention why that even he got knocked out but I mean, had Todd Graham said it, would we be sitting here making excuses and defending him? Probably not. I'd, yeah. I'd like to think no, but I don't know because I, you know. Yeah, it's. I I feel yeah. like he, I feel like we've come down on him when he rips into players when the cameras on him on the uh -huh. on the sidelines, you know, and 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 he's telling, uh, he's telling kids stuff that you don't normally hear at church. Right, uh, yeah. You know, and I, so I, I, I don't feel like that double standard's there, but that's a lot of the feedback I got on social media this week was like, you know, you only have a problem with this because you lost USC. to USC. I'm like, well, I wasn't on the field. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you have a, you have a guy who's injured who is a student athlete trading. If we were to beat USC, I would have had, this, I would have had the same approach to the comment. Like, okay. my, my approach to the comment mm -hmm. wasn't going to change. Like, if we beat USC by 30 or if we lose to them by 30, like, Manny Wilkins didn't finish the game. Manny Wilkins would not have finished the game either way in my scenario. You know, and I feel like your your opinion isn't going to change either way either, and neither will Brett's. So, I mean, I just think I just think that, you know, we, li we live in this, you know, social media age where everything is magnified at least ten times. Right. Makes sense. Um, so, uh, let's get into, I guess, predictions. Let's... Let's cut this one short. Let's see what happens on Saturday. Um, Brett, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to do the flip side. I'm going to go, uh, I think, UCLA somehow. Uh, not even necessarily somehow. I, I think they get it done. I'm going to lean towards a higher scoring game. Let's uh, let's go 30-26. to 26. Chili? I'm going to go um, lower scoring game. I want to give my man Legatron a chance to redeem my last week prediction. And I'm going to say that he's going to kick a wing field goal, and it's going to be 24-21. Okay. Uh, this is the first time I'm going to put a qualifier on a prediction. 
Usually I just come out and say, mm-hmm. like, who, who I think is going to win by how much and everything like that. Um, they don't win this week without a receiver going over 100 yards. Okay. Hasn't been happening. It, they got to step up. Maybe Brady White is what it takes to get Cam Smith involved and he goes off. But I, I don't think if, if they have another, like, you know, you're a leading receiver at 65 yards. Right. I don't think that's a recipe for success for them. Um, I will also say uh, Brady, you, you, <laughs> Brady White doesn't finish this game and you've burned Dylan Sterling Cole's red shirt. <laughs> oh no. That would be disaster. Well, no. it could. Think about it. It could have. What if Brady White's ineffective and the defense is just getting the job done? So in the fourth quarter, you want to get this win against UCLA. What do you do? No, that is not what you do. No. Yeah, I don't. U of A I had did, to do that last I week. just watched U of A do that with uh, Khalil, Khalil Tate, Tate, who is very good. He is. 17 years old. 17 years old. We, we watched him in high school. We knew he was coming. They said he was going to be a tight end. This man, and I, I hate to praise the rivals quarterback, but I mean, I watched this kid in high school. He is, uh, I, I, won't, I won't even say he's going to be a star or anything like that. For a 17-year-old, though. For a he is 17, 17 year old. years old. Yeah. 17. Like, just got his license about a year ago. Um, he is starting for a major university. And this kid was cool as a cucumber. Like, he just took the ball and did his little run around here, run around there. Let me try to whip this pass there. Like, I, I was kind of impressed. Well, and not only that, but he's a go- he's goofy, too. He's just, he's, a, he's like, uh, like Tracy Morgan's Brian Fellows, just, <laughs> oh, just like he's just goofy all the time. But you, he's seventeen. I have the same feeling about him that I had about Demario when he came out okay. at seventeen yeah, as a freshman. And he was tearing people up, and yep. so. Um, but you don't want that. U of A did not want that to happen. Right, right, right. And getting back to ASU, I do not see Todd Graham um, being evil Knievel enough with his team to burn Dylan Sterling Cole's red shirt. I think we'll see Chase Lucas playing quarterback before we see that happen. Put Chase Lucas in a quarterback. Wow. Uh, I, who's quarterback three? Who, what do you even do? Who's there? our Who's our Julian Edelman? Because you have Jeremy, Jeremy Smith's redshirting right now. He played quarterback in high school. Kyle Williams has burned. Oh, Jack Smith. Burn Jack Smith. Burn his redshirt. Burn his redshirt. I'm already mad that we yeah. brought him in anyway. So burn Jack Smith. Hey, he could. He could. Let him take some shots. Let him get in under there. Yeah, that's right. Jack Smith. He could get your poor man's Taylor Kelly out there. He's fast. I'm ready. You got to give it to him. He is fast. Yeah, no, he's fast. He 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 can. He's got some boosters on him. Um, I, let's know, hope that Brady White. Let's hope it doesn't come to yeah, that. But let's just hope I it doesn't come to that. About Jack Smith. All right. Well, let's get away. So here, if they don't have a 100 yard receiver, they're losing this game. If they do have a 100 yard receiver, they're winning this game. Then that's my prediction. I'm. Okay. I'm. I. I feel like that is cheap of me to do. But I think I, I'm five and zero so far in predictions. I think so I'll give you this one for now. I'll give you this one. This right. Never again. Never again. Okay, <laughs> this has been the Devil's Junkie Podcast. Ralph Amsden, Brett Quintine, and Chili. See you on Saturday. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.